Do you love me? Are you playing your love games with me? I don't know what to tell you right now, because I need your love a lot. Come on now. What's up, guys? I'm Corey, and joined with me is Christian. Hello, Internet. And this is the Powerful Nerdcast, Episode 5. Boom. We're almost, we're halfway to 10, Corey. I know. And that we're almost makes me excited. Mm-hmm. Very excited. I am. Powerful. And also, we have been doing it uh, every week, which mm-hmm. isn't that surprising. We release a ton of videos, but I'm happy we're actually keeping it up, mm-hmm. and we've been getting nothing but good responses. So thank you, everyone. We're going to keep the content coming. We're actually going to have another guest on today, another guest, rather, on today's uh, podcast. But Corey and I want to talk about some things they probably won't know about. So we're going to just hang out for a little bit, and then we're going to add on that interview in a minute. So we'll see how all that works out. And again, we're you know trying new formats and stuff. So yeah, Corey, uh, you were very excited about a Naruto cosplay that you saw. Yes, this is actually uh, kind of interesting. You guys have probably already heard about this. There's been a lot of buzz about it. There's going to be this live action Naruto musical stage show in Japan. So why does this? Okay, anyone can do that. I think I've even seen things like that at a convention. Mm -hmm. But you think that like the level they're taking it to is like next level. So that's why it's getting you excited. Um, Mm-hmm. And the thing that's really surprising about it, you know, when I first heard, you know, Naruto live action stage musical, my first thought goes to, oh, this is basically Naruto and ice. This is going to end up being really bad. You're going to see a lot of people in mascot uniforms. It's actually not the case at all. And uh, the amount of production they're actually putting into the uh, costuming is good because I never thought I'd say this. But just after looking at the costumes here, there could possibly be a live action Naruto movie. It could happen within our lifetime. That's how good it is. In fact, here, I'm yeah, just going like to show you um, some movie. of the pictures right now, which uh, I'm going to blow this up real quick. It's uh, This is just some of the uh, the main cast members of the movie. You have uh, Kiba, Hinata, Shino, Shikamaru, Whoa. Ino, and Choji. It looks pretty good. And the thing that's most surprising to me is, and this is something that a lot of people have been joking about, uh, people are like, wow, they look really awesome, but did someone just, like, get a bucket of dirt and, like, toss <laughs> it all over they're them? All, they're all, uh, I call battle damaged. Mm-hmm. You know, they all have, but, you know, they were doing a photo shoot and they wanted them all to look like they were, mm-hmm. you know, fighting ninja wars and stuff, and they look good. The Hinata looks really good. The Hinata scares me how good it looks. Like, yeah. if there was ever to be a live-action version of Hinata, this is it right here, and and I really okay. like how Show they Show me Naruto. Uh, I Naruto, see Naruto is a little uh, a little more interesting, um, but this is just a few of the characters that they've actually uh, shown off thus far. This uh-huh. is, by the way, it's called the Live Spectacle of Naruto, but this is your shot of Naruto right there. Okay, looks You can see cool. he has, like, Kyuubi chakra around him, and he's all powered up and pumped up. And, uh, you know, interestingly, yeah, wow. just kind of like really Hollywood good. movies, you know, they, they always cast older people to play teenagers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of these characters look like they're a lot older. And uh, it is interesting to note that this is part one Naruto. This is before they get into the Shippuden and the time skip. Um, but this is so interesting. So they're doing... Middle school Naruto first? Basically, yeah. They're starting okay. out literally from the uh, the very beginning of the series. In fact, uh, Zabuza and Haku are going to be in the very first one. In fact, here's some more pictures if you just want to look uh, bigger versions. Uh, there's uh, Hinata, which... You know, I think I glanced at those, and I thought they were almost like a drawing. Like, I don't even... I, now that I'm seeing that Hinata photo, I was like, oh, I've seen that, you know? And it mm-hmm. looks really good. It's like, it kind of blows me away, and... I like that they're trying to make it look like the anime version. Like, clearly, you look at that, your first thing is, oh, that's Hinata. But the amount of detail in the actual hoodie that she has is way more detailed than anything you see in the anime or manga version. You don't actually see all the weird cross hatchings and stitches all over it, but it still looks distinctly Hinata, and it actually has, like, the same look. You look at a character like Shino, looks like he just jumped off the damn pages. He even still has the big, like, turtleneck that's covering his yeah. entire face. Yeah, it looks really and, good. And uh, frankly, I love it. 
Uh, Kiba, again, that just it looks like they're perfectly choosing the actors. These guys look like the actual characters, which to me is disturbing because a show like Naruto and an anime manga, like I look at those characters and I'm just like, there's no way they could pull these guys off in live you action. Even, I've had lengthy conversations with you that you say uh, n- there's things in anime that just lend themselves to be animated mm-hmm. and they're hard to do in real life. That's why live action stuff doesn't work, mm-hmm. which does lead me to my one like devil's advocate moment where I have to say, you're not seeing any of them move yet. You know, you're not seeing the effects behind them. You're seeing mm-hmm. one still image. So to say that that could necessarily transfer into a movie, I don't know. I'd have to see, you know, but we have seen that fan film. You remember that Naruto versus Rock Lee fan film mm-hmm. that those guys made? I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah. I am going to send you another video. Uh, one just came out this week. Someone did a uh, Neji versus Ten Ten video, which Whoa. is live action. Yeah. And it's really well done. Like the choreography is amazing. They use music from the show. They have a is few it, special effects. Is it so? You think they uh, is made by the same people? Uh, no, no. It, 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 actually, it might be the people who did the Rock Lee video. Yeah. There is a possibility for that. If you guys have not seen that, I'll put a link for that in the description box below. And these pictures. So and all these pictures. Uh, yeah. Naruto fans, you're totally going to dig it. Like, it's not too often that I'm actually starting to appreciate this live action Naruto stuff. But this actually gives a little bit of uh, possibility and credence for it. And uh, my God. They found the perfect Eno. Looks just like her. Even has blonde hair. They're going as far as to like even making their hair like anime colored. Like, and that's something that's really hard to pull off in uh, live action. Because I mean, you know, Hinata has blue hair, but you don't even are you Is aren't that, even bothered that, by. We that. haven't even talked about that. Was that Choji? I saw uh, Choji. Yeah, Choji looks really good. Like, because just he's a ridiculous sort of character. Mm-hmm. Like when you turn him into real life because of his hair and stuff, but they pulled it off. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they did, oh, wow. and you know, they even included like the uh, the more unrealistic kind of anime elements to it. Like he actually does have the swirls on his cheeks, uh-huh. which when watching the anime version and reading it, I never imagined that Choji actually had those swirls. I always imagined like it was like paint that he was putting on his face in order to make. Or he it do had that. like. Uh, <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> he had rosacea of the cheeks because his uh, he's so fat and his blood circulation sucks. Okay, so I thought that was about to go somewhere <laughs> really bad, and thank no, God it no. didn't. No, no, I w- Never mind. <laughs> but uh, the thing is, I'm actually I'm not off put by this, and this is the type of stuff that actually kind of bothers me. Um, we do need to remember though, this is not a movie. This is for a live action show, so there's absolutely no telling how this is going to work out. We but, haven't uh, seen Sasuke either, have we? We have actually seen Sasuke. There are a few more pictures that I haven't shown you. Uh, there's one of the third Hokage, which I in uh, Zabuza and Haku, which looks so amazing. Uh, let's see if I can find a few more pictures here because I got links to them. Here's Zabuza. Check this dude out. Look at that. Here's the thing. I'm very impressed with that Zabuza, mm-hmm. and it's obviously the best Zabuza I've ever seen. But I've also seen a fuck ton of really good Zabuzas in cosplay in real life, so that didn't impress me that much. Yeah. How many cool ones have we seen? Oh, we've, we've seen we've, a ton. We've hung out and talked with people and learned <laughs> how they've made their weapons. You know, Zabuza is one of those characters that's almost like sort of like transcended the popularity of Naruto. He's kind of like Link at anime conventions. Yes. You always see them. Yes. Even if you don't see like huge People droves. People love those sword. That sword. They do. It's, well, it's a cool sword. It's a, it's a big, giant, decapitating blade. But uh, whenever you go to like an anime convention or a comic book convention, there's always a Link. And even if there's not a lot of Naruto people, there's always at least one Zabuza somewhere, oh, yeah. which I think is really awesome. And that's a testament to uh, his popularity. But there you go again. There's a Naruto in Sakura who's still uh, sporting the pink hair. We have a Ruka. And I don't know, just it looks good to me. 
it's surprising. It's just I, I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to portray that in the live action. Oh, was that a Hokage? Oh, this was the third Hokage. Look at him. Yeah, that's he looks so cool. awesome. He He's looks like just a wise like him. old kung fu master. But uh, you remember how I said like they're all covered in dirt and dust and like look, there's even Sasuke and Gara. So they're going up to the uh, tuning exam in the uh, live action special, which I think is awesome. And again, I think these look great. Um, well, like I said, it could definitely work. And uh, these images, while completely one frame only in a controlled studio, I'd like to see how they actually look on stage. Mm -hmm. But it looks good. Because that's the thing, you know, Naruto and, and anime and manga in general is very stylized. And that's something that is very hard to pull off in live action. You know, you, like you said, still images are one thing. You know, you look at this picture of Haku right here, who looks awesome. Wind is blowing. All the tassels are blowing yeah, in yeah, the wind. Yeah. How's that going to look on stage? How's, how's the actor move? How does the actor understand? Kakashi, whoa, Kakashi looks fucking badass. Yeah. Again, that, uh, Kakashi's another one of those situations where it's like, you always see Kakashi's at an anime convention. Yeah, like, Hell, even I did Kakashi once. Yeah, everyone's seen Kakashi, but his hair is perfect. Mm -hmm. It's got the, like, the gray and the black accents. The eyes, the actual, like, uh, Konoha flak jackets look really cool. So uh, I'm excited for it. You know, obviously this is something that's not going to come stateside. If we ever see something like this, it's going to be, like, on a YouTube video. Shaky but. cam. <laughs> yeah exactly it's going to be through someone's little like potato cell phone is what it's going to be yeah. um, but again we want to hear from you guys are you excited about this live action stage show and do you think there should be a live action Naruto movie please tell us in the comments section below yeah well I am excited about that so I'm mm -hmm. glad you shared that today Corey yes I've been really wanting to talk about that for a long time and uh, if there is any more information released about it maybe I'll do a video about it because I am following it very closely I do think it's interesting I was impressed that you even entertain the idea of a live action Naruto because you were um, that was almost like poison to your ears. I know, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's just Dragon Ball Evolution just left such a bad taste in my mouth. And, and not just that, but a lot of other live action anime as well, which uh, this isn't something that I had planned, um, but they did announce that they're making a Ghost in the Shell movie live heard, action American. I think I've heard that rumor forever, though. Yeah, exactly. But. Now I think it actually has some precedence to it because you know who they've potentially cast as uh, the main character, Motoko? Mm. Take a guess. Like big Hollywood actress. You're talking Hollywood. You're talking anyone in the world. Yeah. Uh, credibility. Mm -hmm. um, I have no idea. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, this one seemed kind of obvious because she is a very big star right now. She's been in a lot of action <coughs> movies. Uh, that is god now i forgot her name what's she in that's good enough i'm completely lost on this scarlett johansson is really what it lucy is. yes lucy or oh. black widow from marvel or the black Avengers. widow yeah exactly black uh, widow, but yeah she's uh been potentially cast as the main lead in that movie which you know seems okay but everyone's pissed off because why in the hell is a white person playing uh agent motoko from ghost in the shell and uh there are actually petitions online petitions to get her removed from this project. Yeah, but there's petitions to get large sodas out of uh, fast food places. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Ain't going to happen no. unless you're McDonald's and you fall to uh, supersize me peer pressure. Well, yeah, but supersize me was gross anyway. I'm glad yeah. that it doesn't exist. It's a funny movie. But uh, getting back on topic, um, that, that's another thing that's interesting about these uh, big live action movies. And people seem to want to pick and choose their battles because, you know, Ghost in the Shell starring a white chick. All right, then we go to uh, the live-action Attack on Titan film, which is opening in Japan, mm -hmm. clearly based on a Japanese manga anime series, but the main cast itself is all Japanese, except that if you look at Attack on Titan, most of the characters are of a European descent. Don't hear anybody complaining about that. Well, also, what that shows you is pretty simply put that if the country that makes it is probably going to put their people in it. 
Exactly. That's all. That's it really, really shows all it you. is, and, and it's it all comes down to cultural differences and everything. And I honestly think ScarJo could probably do a decent job with that series. It's just there's already tons of new Ghost in the Shell anime movies. That I doesn't hope, need to be. A lot I hope of it works. You know why I hope it works? Because mm-hmm. with the Marvel Universe working so well, and then you getting a key actor from the Marvel Universe, which I'm sure also means some of the Marvel Universe experience. You know, and inputs it into a live action anime. Imagine if live action anime blew up like the Marvel Universe did. Like that's that, that could be the next thing that could be gigantic. So mm-hmm. I think it's good that they're trying. And mm-hmm. if they could ever do it, it could be now. You, you know, know? There, there are live action anime movies that can work. Um, there was one that I uh, watched recently. I didn't watch all of it. It's based on an anime and manga series called Roroni Kenshin, uh-huh. which uh, you may have remembered from Toonami back in the day. Oh, yeah. is the uh, the red haired samurai. And uh, those live action movies are actually pretty decent. Like really? they follow the manga version. They look really good. All of the characters look like they jumped right off the pages. And uh, that's something I hope they are going to be able to accomplish. But uh, let's uh, let's bring it back to the Marvel Universe again, because there's just let's always news about these brand new Marvel movies that are coming out because they're cranking out so many of them. Um, brand new X-Men movie, X-Men Apocalypse. It's going to be really awesome. They're bringing back a lot of classic characters. Uh, they just cast new bad guy. New bad guy, which is Apocalypse, one yeah. that, frankly, I've been wanting to see for a long time. He's kind of like one of the biggest baddies of all the X-Men universe. Here's a good question for you before we get too much into that or too much farther into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you think is going to be the biggest badass? Do you think it's going to be uh, Apocalypse? Uh, who's the bad guy in Guardians? In Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Who's the, um, the guy with the Thanos? Uh, well, oh, Thanos. Oh, like the yeah, big the in big, the Marvel big. universe. Yeah. So, oh, Thanos would destroy Apocalypse. You he, think so? He'd destroy him with his pinky. Thanos is... Without a doubt, in my opinion, probably Uh the most physically cosmic energy powered being in the entire Marvel. He is like he's kind of like the Frieza of that universe, except that there's no one else above him. The the thing is, though, uh, like he may be the biggest conscious force, but mm-hmm. there are larger force is, you know, there, there are cosmic energy forces within the like Marvel the Phoenix universe force. Yeah. Like uh, which is stupid. If you can you imagine the Phoenix force is technically maybe more powerful than Thanos. There's, you know, comic logic is weird, too. And this also depends. Does Thanos have the Infinity Gauntlet? Does the Infinity Gauntlet have all of the stones in it? You know, there's a lot of factors to the battle. It he doesn't, doesn't always have the uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah. And it doesn't have all the stones because they just locked away one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the last uh, Guardian of the Galaxy. So he at least doesn't have that one, if he even has the Affinity Gauntlet. Anyway, the point I was trying to make is, mm-hmm. what do you think, who, okay, let's just predict. You're going to go watch X-Men, and then you're going to go watch the last Guardian of the Galaxies when they uh, fight Thanos. What fight do you think is going to be better? Oh, it's going to be Thanos. It's going to be better? But the only reason <laughs> it's going to be Thanos is because the amount of buildup that they brought for it, because uh-huh. uh, you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, but like it's actually going to end in the Infinity War which is going to be the only Marvel movie that's gotten two parts. It's being divided into two films. Okay. Um, and this is all, all these movies that they're releasing is kind of like building up to that event. Yeah. Like little by little, you know, Thanos is in the background, but I think the, the more we get closer to the end of it, we're really going to start to see him with a bigger presence, especially if they do a guardians Two, which they're definitely doing it. They've they're, already announced they're gonna it. Do it. They've already announced it. it yeah. it's, it's, it's a huge movie. Um, but the Thanos battle, it, the problem with that battle too, is it can almost be too good. To where they kind of like put themselves in a corner. It's like, oh man, this is like, we just brought all our universes together and had the most ultimate battle that brought together everyone from Earth and space and cosmic dimensions. Because once they bring in Doctor Strange, that's going to open up a whole nother element because we know there's, there's Earth, there's dimensions like Asgard, and then there's places in space. Doctor Strange <laughs> is like an elemental world dimension that goes into all these different places and weird cosmic beings and monsters. Is he and- like the Mr. Manhattan? 
Um, not so much. He, he's like a mystical being. He's kind of like, his name is Doctor Strange, but he's more like a, a warlock, if anything. Okay. Like, he uses, like, mystical, magical powers, which, so you know, that's like gonna, a, that's gonna bring in, like, the Ghost Rider element. Is he kind of like a shaman? I guess I've just never seen his, uh, Um, I don't really know how to, you know, I'm not the biggest Doctor Strange expert. I don't even really, I don't even know what he looks like. Um, if you saw him, you might remember him. He looks like a real old school type of superhero. Like he has a big flowing red cape. Oh, and, uh, he kind of looks like Dracula or something. A little bit. Actually, yeah, he kind of looks like Dracula a little bit more like a modern day, like Konami version of Dracula. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what Doctor Strange is. And uh, but still, like you said, I, I do think Thanos is going to be amazing. That that being said, I'm excited for Apocalypse just because well, we're moving in left, a new direction. Yeah, and they left the X-Men series in such a good place. Mm-hmm. So why don't they just knock this out of the park? And to me, if they knock it out of the park, I think it, it uh, guarantees that X-Men are going to at least uh, behind the scenes be offered to or there's going to be an offer to get X-Men in the Marvel Universe. You, you know, know and it's so? I, I want it to happen too. the the thing that's going to be the biggest deal breaker with that franchise is if they're like, are we going to use the previous X-Men or are we going to completely reboot them for our universe? Because the X-Men series has such a you know long established franchise. You know, you think back to X-Men one that mm-hmm. came out in 2000, 2000. That was a long time. That's ago. crazy. That series has been going on for a really long time. And that's an incredible accomplishment, especially considering they've been able to keep all of the actors and like same producers and everything. You know, that shows at least the people that are making it are passionate about it, except except when it comes to X-Men Origins Wolverine, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, let, let's get back to uh, X-Men Apocalypse. There is a, uh, a brand new member of the X-Men that's going to be joining. Uh, one that has not been in a live-action X-Men movie since the second one and is arguably the, one of the best parts about that movie. Gambit? And it's freaking Nightcrawler. Oh, Nightcrawler. Yeah. Yes. Not Gambit. Not Gambit, no. <laughs> Gambit's apparently getting his own movie, but uh, Nightcrawler is going to be returning for X-Men Apocalypse. And X2, the opening scene in the White House, is one of the greatest openings to any superhero movie I've ever seen. I remember being in theaters watching that and being like, Oh yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> and that, I mean, that seems amazing. It is the 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 videography and everything, mm-hmm. really, or cinematography, I should say, in a film. But yeah, and uh, you also felt like these mutants are super powerful. Like mm-hmm. you felt really like defenseless during that scene. I don't know what what was your impression. When That's you were a watching really it? great way of putting it. Like uh, they really did a great job of demonstrating the powers of that mutant. And uh, you could say that that scene is kind of stereotypical because it does a lot of like slow mo and stuff. But I thought oh. it did it really well. I especially loved how they created the puffs of smoke for Nightcrawler, which I'm not even really that big of a Nightcrawler fan because I only read the X Men comics so much, and I mostly know what I know from watching a lot of TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but just I don't ever remember there being like really huge puffs of blue smoke, and they just made it look so atmospheric and awesome. And what I loved most about that Nightcrawler is he was perfectly cast. I believe the actor's name was Ian Cumming, and uh, he just – he looked like Nightcrawler. And that's what they're doing with this other new ca- guy by the name of Cody Smith McPhee. Um, if you If you haven't <laughs> heard of him, that's okay. He is kind of a new actor. He is a young guy, which actually I do appreciate uh, because all the new X-Men are going to be younger. Yeah. Um, but he has uh, done some movies like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. I think he was just one of the background younger characters. And then uh, he did an animated film a couple of years ago, which was a stop-motion claymation called Paranorman. And uh, he was actually the voice of the main kid from that movie. So he's very new. But uh, here's a take a look at this guy. You can see he literally looks just like Nightcrawler. Except oh, yeah, that's a good with, Nightcrawler. Without the blue. Like he just, you know. Yeah, you make him off. blue. Exactly. That's all. The, even his hair. Keep it the same. Make the <laughs> dude blue. Give him some pointy ears. Put a freaking devil's tail on him. And he is set to go. Yeah. Speaking of which, it, this just popped into my head. 
Um, did they, I don't know if I remember this or not, did they ever do anything with the character of Azazel, who is the red-looking Nightcrawler, who I believe is actually his father? Like, after First Class, they went ahead and did Days of Futures Past, so we never really saw what happened to that guy, did he? Or did he die in First no, Class? I think he died. Did he? He died. I completely forgot about that guy. I just remember how awesome he was, he was in that movie. He was the more intense version of Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. Like I love was... how he would pick people up and teleport in the sky and then just drop them and come back down. Like yeah. That was such a unique way to use his powers. I was really hoping that guy would return. He's really awesome. Yeah, I thought there was going to be more to him, but uh, I'm pretty sure he died. Mm. I think they tricked him with some sort of, you know, because they just made him warp into a knife or something like that. And he was like, now I know. Yeah, now I remember that happening. Oh, it's so disappointing. I really like that. But I'm excited for Nightcrawler returning. I hope they do something more with the character this time. And I hope they keep him a consistent part of the team, because that was really a big bummer when X3 came around and everybody kept saying, where the hell's Nightcrawler? Where is Nightcrawler? They just completely swept him under the rug. They're like, we don't have time to like pay for all that CG again, so we're out of here. <laughs> and the funny thing is, uh, you know, his character too. Like, it wasn't CG all the time. Like, they did a really great job just on the makeup effects on that guy. Like all the scars they put in him. Like that was something that never existed with Nightcrawler before. Yeah, and I remember like the first time they actually had like a conversation with him. Like they went in that barn and like found him and started talking to him mm-hmm. and realized that he had been hypnotized or drugged or something mm-hmm. to do all that stuff at the White House. Uh, I just thought the actor did a great job and his face was very believable. It didn't look like a dude with makeup on. You mm-hmm. know, it looked like uh, an X-Men. It looked really good. I don't know. It's a shame they abandoned that character. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it really sucks. Apparently, the only way you could learn, I think I remember, if you wanted to know what happened to Nightcrawler, they released a uh, shitty video game back in the day. Like, you know how they always used to do movie tie-in games? Yeah. They did uh, an X-Men 2 game, or maybe it was an X-Men 3 game, and you get to figure out, like, what happened to Nightcrawler during all those events, but... Who the hell played that game and figured out what the hell happened to Nightcrawler? And that's a crappy way to do something with a really fun and awesome character, especially one as unique as Nightcrawler. Yeah, it's not really fair that they just do that. But uh, last big topic I have for you is uh, another Hollywood topic, something uh, I think hopefully you'll appreciate, is uh, there's going to be a brand new Aliens movie. Okay. Which is crazy. I I thought they were not a reboot. A remastering. Or or at least that we know of quite yet. Um what is interesting is I kind of thought the Alien franchise was dead because after they did Alien Resurrection, they were sort of done. Sigourney Weaver was done. She started working in other movies. They did Prometheus. They, they did Prometheus, which uh, Ridley Scott did. And that, that was, to me, like the <sighs> final nail in the Alien coffin. Like, yeah, oh, they're done with it. They're moving it on. Good. To, it was to beautiful, though. Beautiful movie. Kind of a mess, though, in terms of storytelling. Yeah. Something I didn't want to accept at first. But still, that's just the way it is. It wasn't um, that great. I am anxious for the uh, the brand new uh, Prometheus 2, which supposedly is happening. But uh, as we wait for that, there's going to be a brand new Alien movie, which is going to be directed by, and I pray I pronounce this correct, but I'm probably not going to. It is Neil Blomkamp, or Blomkamp, Blomkamp. I don't really have no idea how to pronounce his name, but he's worked on a... will get it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure. Um, but uh, he's worked on a lot of famous movies like District 9 mm-hmm. and Elysium. And he has another brand new sci-fi movie coming out called Chappie, which looks like the combination of a robot bunny and Briarios from Appleseed. Oh, yeah. So this guy has a really big sci-fi career ahead of him, and he's already getting ready to work on one of the biggest film franchises of all time. And it's going to be Aliens. And what's most interesting about it is he's actually going to try and bring back Sigourney Weaver and uh, even uh, Michael Bean, who played uh, Corporal Hicks, or you might remember him Michael as Kyle Bean. Reese from Terminator. He's actually going to be Hell coming yeah. back, which that's strange because in Alien 3, he was seemingly dead. So I'm really they made him a robot, Corey. He's got exactly. white blood. 
Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen. It's gonna Probably. Happen. That would be cool, though, if they brought back the whole, like, Android thing again and made him an Android. Just to see him again, because I haven't seen Michael Bean in anything except I for... I thought he, like, quit acting or something. I haven't seen him in anything. Just the, like the guy in, like, Starship Trooper. He just, like, quit acting after that. The the main actor in Starship? Yeah. What was his name? I think his I name know. was Casper something. I don't know. He's not in anything anymore. Uh, that's true, but, um... <laughs> Sorry, I knocked you totally off track. No, 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 dude, it's cool, it's cool. Um, I'm just now I'm just trying to desperately remember the uh, the lead actor's name from Starship Troopers, which I believe was Casper Van Dien. You should Google that, see if you're right. I, I have to look at that right now. That's such a distinctive name that it has to be that guy, Casper Van Von Von Va- Dien. Casper Van Dien. It is. <laughs> it's totally managed. There is Corey's iron memory, which he can remember anything. If if it's a crappy <laughs> sci-fi movie, then or I got one, it that, down. Or one that's like you know held in uh, like high regard to a the cult classic. The cult classic. Yeah, like I'll remember it, <laughs> but. I don't know. Um, I'm just I'm just shocked that they're doing another alien movie because what other story is to be told in that universe? I mean, you know, it started out as kind of like a horror franchise. And then James make, Cameron made it. Action. Why don't they just make the uh, aliens go to Earth and just kill everyone? Now, that's the easy answer. I don't want it to turn into like just a, a alien world, you know, by numbers horror film. Because I think the best thing about the Aliens movies is how atmospheric they can be. No, that's how good the first one was. uh, (laughs) But that's not. But I mean, the second movie, Aliens, was done by James Cameron, and it's it's a gung ho action movie. Yeah, you know, I'm saying they're kicking indoors, shooting aliens left and right, and they couldn't mm -hmm. even kill one in the first one. I mean, you know, Halo, the video game series, would not exist. If it were not for the Aliens movies. The Flood feels like the Aliens. Mm-hmm. They kind of have like that same feel. Yeah, they have definitely that feel. I also think Halo is one of the best world building games of its generation. and Or of maybe of all time. Not of all, like not that it's number one. Mm-hmm. But the Halo world in a single player of the first game is like a lot of fun. Do you I ha- I, so? No, I have to admit like... I used to be a huge hater of Halo, but that's because when I was younger, um, I totally like played on my side of the field. Like I was a Nintendo guy. Yeah, and you had and, to back uh, up your your crowd. Yeah, I had to back up the Smash Melee crowd. Everybody else's. I remember that like uh, 2001 Christmas. Um, I went over to a friend's house. Um, one half of the house all playing Xbox. All like the brand new Halo just came out. Everybody's flipping out. <laughs> Other half of the house all playing Super Smash Brothers Melee. Not a single person from either side ever migrated to the other everybody stayed in their camps and it was wow. absolutely i didn't even play halo like uh you remember cody yeah, like that was yeah. when we were playing melee for the first time like yeah. we, we unlocked mewtwo that night it was uh, the shit we unlocked mewtwo um but yeah i do think halo uh has a lot of potential and you know bringing up uh neil blowcamp again like uh, mm-hmm. blomkamp uh he was the guy who originally was going to make the halo movie right Yes, he is the uh, director that did District 9, mm-hmm. uh, Chappie, and uh, what was the newest? Uh, Ellipsium. Uh, uh, Elysium. Elysium. With, uh, with Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. He did pretty good. Which, script. again, I think that's probably his again, worst movie. That movie looked good. Looked good. The story. Kind of teetered uh, off a little the, bit. The teeter. And uh, the main bad guy was uh, the main character in District 9, that actor, mm-hmm. who's also a really good actor. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he did very good as the bad guy, though. Or I didn't believe the bad guy's motivation. I'm just evil. This guy's tricked me a few too many times, so I just got to kill him now. You know, like, I just, like, why? You know, it just didn't seem that great to me. But Elysium was by far that guy's weakest movie. Mm-hmm. Everything else he's made is awesome. And he was going to make the Halo movie. And you can imagine a Halo movie looking like District 9 mm-hmm. would be awesome. And also, do you remember they have the weird alien mech in District 9? Mm -hmm. Like, that could have been a hunter, you know, from Halo. 
and you could have had like elites all around them and everything. It would have been really good. The aliens in District Nine look like elites, a little bit, yeah, yeah. in well, some senses. Yeah, and the face is a little different, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you could see how all those resources were sitting there getting ready, and then they're like the Halo movie got canned. And he's like, "Fuck it, I'll just make District 9. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of shows too because I, I I distinctly remember when we were walking out of the theater, District Nine. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I remember saying, like, "Wow, they could do a live action Halo." Just from uh, what they did in that movie. And, you know, District 9 CG is really good. Like, it holds up better than a lot of CG that I've seen over the years. And that movie had a very small budget. And they did so good with it in that movie. Well, the other thing they do a lot with CG now is motion tracking. And that's where you get realistic movement. Mm Because you get these dudes with the suits with the dots. Mm -hmm. So the aliens are just getting built on top of all this realistic, like, movement. So they look real and the way the actors interact with them. They're no longer, like, screaming at tennis balls anymore. (laughs) You know, like, so that helps. And I think that was like one of the first movies to really like capture that because you feel bad for those aliens all the mm-hmm. way through that movie. Because and the the uh, juxtaposition of the uh, aliens in one of the poorest areas in the world, and they're the last class citizens, while like the uh, starving Africans, you know, like shit on them. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was sort of a, a strange, strange movie. A good like almost uh, showing the true nature of humans or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, if something's different, we'll still push it away. I mean, District 9 wasn't just trying to tell a cool sci-fi story, but it also had a political message as well. And uh, I I think that really shined through, but I'm just... Every time I watch it, I always appreciate something different. And I still say the CG is so bold because most of the movie, I'd say 90% of it takes out in broad daylight. And for them to show off their CG that much... Just they're like, hey, try to find the flaws. We dare you. It looks that good. It does. And uh, that's what's really impressive. And I'm glad that he's going to be bringing his skills to the Alien franchise, which is something like they can pay the bills. Yeah. They uh, they really uh, need a a refresher because I didn't care much for Alien Resurrection just because it just I don't know. There were some fun parts and I will admit it was well shot. Um, And I might be wrong about this. I might be completely wrong. But uh, I think that. Alien Resurrection, the fourth one, was done by uh, Joss Whedon, who... Uh, it has a very Whedon feel. Yeah, it does, who, you know, he's gone on to do really big things in the Marvel uh, movies. Um, but he also, um, it's, uh, that was the one with that uh, mercenary crew that came through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that felt like Firefly in the Alien universe. Think about <laughs> that when you watch it and you see the dialogue and stuff. Hmm. It's a darker Firefly in, you know the alien universe and everyone mm. dies. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, like I said, there are parts about that movie. I like, I love Ron Perlman to freaking death. Oh yeah. That dude is amazing. He's in a everything rock star. He's in. But again, he's another, he's another one of those actors who's transcended himself. You go to see Ron Perlman, you know, that's, what's really cool about that guy, but he's the guy that plays Hellboy. Uh, yes. Yes. Which amazing. I'd like to see more Hellboy. I know a lot of people don't care. Much Pacific Rim two, then you can make another Hellboy. That's the order it has to go in. Okay. I agree. Yeah. Which, um, it makes sense. This totally just, you know, the planet's just a line in my head. Pacific Rim was done by Guillermo del Toro, right? Yeah, the Spanish. Uh, Guillermo del Toro did Hellboy. Uh, Peter Jackson. He likes Ron Perlman. Oh, of course. Yeah, I, I knew that immediately. He huh. loves Ron Perlman. I never even thought about that. that That's makes why sense. he was in Pacific Rim. Yeah. He was the fucking uh, organ dealer. Yeah. <laughs> the kaiju organ dealer. <laughs> that, the kaiju. If you haven't seen Pacific Rim, see it. It's freaking awesome. I haven't seen it in so long. But that's uh, one of the better sci-fi movies that I've seen. That in District 9. Just like um, you said, uh, they could make a live-action Halo when you saw uh, District 9. Mm-hmm. I think you could make a live-action Gundam because of... Uh, Gundam is one of the few, I think, could work. 
as a live action movie. And the only reason just has to be careful. It's not transformers, which it wouldn't be, but Mm -hmm. I'm saying like that. Look, it definitely would have to redefine itself a little more. Uh, yeah. I mean, they would have to make some changes and that actually is okay because there are so many spinoffs of Gundam at this point and so many alternate universes and continuations or interpretations. almost. yeah, Yeah. So even if it sucked, we could just, whatever, it's another universe that we'll never pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. It won't mess with the original timeline. Like, there are literally, like, ten, 10 or more different Gundam timelines, you know, some of which are exclusive to just their universe. So that's why I really think it could happen, you know. If they could somehow tie it into maybe one of the previous shows or seasons, go for it. But honestly, I'd like to see them do something really fresh with it. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind it will happen. In fact, mm-hmm. there has been a live-action Gundam before. Most people don't even realize it. I've never seen um, it. I never even saw a screenshot of it. I yeah, it's, no it's called G-Savior. It came out in, uh, I think, the late 90s or early 2000s. It was celebrating uh, one of Gundam's anniversaries. I think it was its 20th. And it was a live-action movie. What's interesting about the movie is it's one of those CG movies where it's just like it kind of feels like a sci-fi made-for-TV film. Like, like a sci-fi just, Saturday morning sort of uh, straight-to-TV movie? Yeah, <laughs> but it just it's it's just not that good. And it does star a multiracial cast, which is really surprising. It shows they're actually paying attention to the universe because in Gundam, a lot of the time, it's not all a bunch of Japanese people. There's a lot of people from different parts of the world because this okay. takes place way far in the future. And uh, what's interesting about the movie is there's only one Gundam in the whole movie, and they never refer to it as a Gundam ever. They call it the G-Savior. But If they called it the J-Savior, it would be much, much better in America. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but what's interesting is like they never refer to it as a Gundam throughout the whole thing. But you look at it, and you're like, that's a, that's a freaking Gundam. Like, yeah, it has the crest. It looks like a big robot samurai. It just... The thing is, they didn't try to make it seem like it fit within the, the movie world. It literally looks like they took, like, a Gundam design, made a CG model, and just tossed it in with live-action actors. Like you said, they would have to make some adjustments to make it look slightly more realistic and practical. But look at Iron Man. Uh, you see him in that cockpit with all the shit around. Mm-hmm. That could be a dude in a Gundam. And then, you know, obviously you'd have to show more of his body. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But... That's pretty cool, you know, and the whole visual um, connection um, from uh, Pacific Rim or mental connection to your robot. Very Evangelion, you Mm -hmm. know, and that actually kind of was cool, too, even though Evangelion, they go in little water pods and uh, actually it's very weird. Evangelion, they shove them full of no, just like in the beginning of Pacific Rim. They they, obviously ripped that shit off. I wouldn't say they ripped it off, but I'm not going to lie. When watching, I'm like, God, this is so much like Evangelion right now with the the LCL filling up and they breathe it in like it's just I mean. Pacific Rim kind of is like a love letter, though, to like big mecha genre, though, in general. It is. I mean, it even they don't even wait to pull out the big, powerful sword until like the very last second. Yeah, because they don't want they want a big build up to that. I mean, like, like <laughs> shing, OK, let me just kill him now. <laughs> that was a total Power Rangers moment. Yeah. Like when they're at the very end of the movie, when they're like, no, we do have one more attack. And you see the sword like you could hear the murmurs in the <laughs> audience, like just everybody was getting so excited at that moment. They knew it was coming when they saw that. And uh, that's what I really loved about it. It was really good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, uh, I think uh, 2017 is when the next one's coming out, which I'll be there. Maybe not day one, but I'll go see it in theaters for sure. Mm-hmm. If theaters still exist, or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll watch on advanced Netflix, whatever's mm-hmm. out at the time. Hey, you guys, we're about to start our interview with the next guest. So get ready for that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the podcast so far. What do you think, Corey? It's awesome, right? I think it's pretty incredible. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. We're next level. So stay tuned for the interview, guys. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back to the Powerful Nerdcast. We are Corey and Christian, and today we are joined by the Dream Riders. We have Nathan Bach and Shay Castle. Thank yes. you guys for joining us today. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Thank you very much. And this is uh, Nathan, and this is Shay, just so everyone knows. Yes. And they are bringing us a show called Dream Riders, and they are in the final stages of launching their Kickstarter campaign. And you guys are uh, just looking for the world to give you guys a shot, and it looks yeah. really awesome. And Thanks. you guys have put in a lot of work to get to what is Dream Riders, and what would you say that is? Um, a television show. Okay. That's <laughs> the the end. simple answer. All right. Thanks for having us, Yes, everybody. yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, no, Dream Riders is, I, I mean, it's that's kind of a loaded question. I don't know. Um, it's a comedy, mm-hmm. um, present day comedy about three 20-somethings who have a very interesting job, and it's kind of based off of the idea of other people writing your dreams. When mm-hmm. you fall asleep, uh, the thought of other people crafting your subconscious to dream a certain way and and our vision and our uh, creative answer to why people dream is to um, to get them influenced to meet their potential in life. So um, our characters are they work for a top secret government agency that um, that, you know, is is in charge of grabbing other people uh, from society who Mm -hmm. they deem are. Um, worthy, I guess is the word. To get this assistance. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, to meet this potential in life. Um, and they give them writers to write their dreams. And the team that we follow in the show mm-hmm. are at the bottom of the barrel. They're the worst at their job. They're the rookies. It, well, yeah. Some, some of them some are. Of them some are. of them are just not great at their job. <laughs> right. Looking right. for inspiration. <laughs> yeah. So, and it just kind of follows their journey as they go along in this job, which is yeah, interesting and fantastical and magical, but also it's still just a job, you know? So. Something that I always thought was interesting is that, so these three characters get together. Uh, what are the characters' names? Uh, Sam, Quinn, and Russell. So they all get together and then they get to imagine anything they want. And then it cu- gets to come true in this fantasy dream world that the um, character that's chosen by right. the government, I guess, experiences. Right. It seems like you get unlimited creativity with that sort of portal that you can just create and open at any time you want within your uh, yeah. story world. So that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. That's what we were really excited about when we started developing the story was uh-huh. you don't limit yourself to, Oh, these guys, you know, they work in Manhattan and they're a couple 20 something writers. They're trying uh-huh. to make their way through the world. You open yourself up to so much more than that because you could poke fun and make fun of so many different uh, you know, it's almost like culture things, and... family guy potential with the amount sure. of yeah, like yeah. comedy. Yeah, you can just cut bit. away to anything you want. It's a little, you want. a little bit more grounded in reality in terms uh-huh. of the characters. But when they're exploring dreams, it really can be anything. And that's really fun for us writing the show to poke fun and kind of live in all these different genres that are on television. We're not just an office place sitcom like The Office or Workaholics. We can explore stuff like we can have a Game of Thrones themed episode. We can yeah. do Star Wars. Anything we want to do, we can. Yeah, it's kind of funny you say that because uh, one of my favorite shows that uh, definitely I think uh, is looks like one of your shows is the uh, Workaholics, which you just right. mentioned. And they are grounded in an office and things like that, but they just stretch those boundaries <laughs> as far as they can. Yeah. Too, well, that you was know? a big thing that we were talking about in development is that a lot of the shows that we love, uh-huh. uh, Workaholics, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the shows that we have modeled, modeled ourselves after – in a lot of ways, the problem that I think you come into with those types of shows, and I'm not criticizing those shows by any means because they're mm-hmm. huge influences of mine, but the problem that I've noticed in that that type of comedy is that you don't have character development. So every year, 
you have to up the ante. And if you see some of these shows that are like that, every year is a little bit more extreme. And if you actually see some of the promos for the newest season of Workaholics, they kind of poke yeah. fun at that a little bit. Yeah, um, th- that was actually a really funny preview. They're like, it was like an epic action movie yeah. where it just mm-hmm. goes bigger and bigger. Yeah. And then they're like, and by the way, none of this will be in the season. Right, <laughs> right. And so for us, we we tried to focus on that in development of like, mm-hmm. are we going to be a serial type show or are we going to be more of a workaholic where it's always sunny where you don't have to see the previous episode to understand what's going on in the current episode or in the mm-hmm. next episode. I call that the like Saturday morning cartoons sure. way of writing. Cause you just establish characters and then you just go on adventures. Right. Yeah. And you guys didn't want that. You wanted something a little deeper than that. We did. Yeah. It was something, a, a bit of a marriage between the two because there are plenty of shows like Parks and Rec or The Office that you can watch any episode and still get a lot of enjoyment out of. And it's heightened if you've been following the characters and been following the relationship changes and kind of the things that they've been going through recently. And that's really what we're trying to tap into. It's not something like more dramatic shows like Breaking Bad or Dexter where there's a previously on at the beginning of the episode. You still can't sit down and enjoy it regardless of the order you're watching, but we want to make it more in depth for people that have been following us since the beginning. Here's a good question. Then, then why'd you go with a television show? Why not like a uh, three movies or something yeah, like that? Well, the biggest reason is, you know, the obvious of that. You just have more time. You have more time right. to flesh yeah, out these and characters. explore the characters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you're really limited in shorts and features. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you, even if you get a trilogy, you still really only get about, what eight hours yeah. to explore these characters if you're lucky even if peter you, jackson didn't put everything <laughs> yeah, in those movies, movies. Yeah. Exactly, you know exactly yeah. but if you have you know if you know if we're lucky we're gonna get you know at least you know 30 40 hours sure. to dobby subplot did not make it in right the harry potter movie. Still, yeah. <laughs> so I'm still sad about it but you guys would have that with a television absolutely show we would that. have an entire season dedicated to dobby there we and go what was it spew or whatever it we'll was give there him his justice we <laughs> yeah. don't just yeah. kill him on a beach yeah there we go yeah. and I, I think i also want i want a whole season with just smog you know like yeah, sure. was like that was Absolutely. one of the coolest characters of the new lord of the rings films or the hobbit films and then he's gone in like an hour yeah that's all he had the entire movie building up to it yeah and, and yeah but that's we we really were focused on that and we gave these characters an entire universe an entire backstory that we intend to explore if we had the opportunity to make the show. And that's why we're pushing so hard for it because we just want an opportunity to tell our story. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long you guys have also put a lot of work going into this. It's uh, quite a few months or maybe a year plus, And then you launch your Kickstarter and uh, are you, you're in the middle of your Kickstarter right now. You get like 30 days or 40 days on Kickstarter. Yeah. 30, yeah, 30, days. 30 days. And uh, how's it going? What's crowdfunding like? Like what's that whole thing I, been? You know, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. If you are, um, I'm trying to, be politically correct as possible. Just say it's if the internet. You, fuck, fuck, fuck. True. Shit, shit, shit. That's true. Sorry. No FAA answer to the FCC, I mean. Um, if you are a manic depressant or bipolar, you do not ever want to do crowdfunding because you can go from an incredible I thought you were going to say mushrooms for yeah, a second. No, <laughs> that might help, actually, along yeah, the process. Could, yeah. It could help ease it out of it. Um, because, you know, you go from incredible highs one day to incredible lows other days. And um, most days, you know, you're kind of somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. But for us, it's been really interesting in that. And we talked about it a little bit, but 
when you get into crowdfunding and you know when you kind of go on this like blitz of 30 days to try to get everyone to know about the show mm -hmm. there's no going back this is it like yeah we're either gonna we're either gonna succeed or we're gonna kind of fall flat on our face but yeah the thing that we're fortunate enough with is that we know we're gonna make our show we know it's gonna happen one way or the other for crowdfunding we felt like this was just the best way to bring people in on it um to get people involved because that's what the making of this show is all about mm -hmm. is to involve other people collaborate get people in on the ground floor what better way to do that than to have them have an opportunity to see it from its birth really yeah you guys have been making a point of the production to include the behind the scenes or to include the documenting of everything you're doing like it's very obvious you didn't just decide yeah. on the back end oh let's just throw up a kickstarter you know like yeah. you, you've made yeah. conscious decisions all the way through your production which despite that your kickstarter looks really well done incredibly professional thank especially you. The you can thank him for that yeah. well <laughs> we're, we're going to uh, also put a link to that in the video description oh, along with whatever you. links you yes. want us to put just uh, search kickstarter for dream writers it's like the fourth one that comes up so. okay <laughs> Are you sure? Do you know that? Have you have you done it's it a few times? A there, yeah, there's a book that if you search for Dream Writers, there's a book that comes up before our show that is called The Dream Writer or something like that. I don't think it's like their picture is like a bird. And hey, yeah. the free publicity for what yes. the book. Dream Writer. Yeah. <laughs> Get your uh, soft cover now. Yeah, exactly. The Dream Writers. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, the uh, talking about um, trying to bring in the community. And that's been a big part of our story and uh -huh. why we've been focusing so much on the behind the scenes stuff. Because we certainly think we have a cool idea for a show and that we want to see made but the bigger thing is to bring people into our story and invest in us and believe that we are capable of making something cool and uh, cr really creating jobs in the Atlanta area and this community because it's such a growing uh, community and like film and stuff so that, that's like a really big reason why we're not just saying this is our show where instead we're saying this is us also this is the show that we're making yeah, you guys have made a real good point. Like I like I said earlier, your material that you have for everyone to understand what you're going into and what they're investing into if they want to be part of your crowdfunding, uh, you know, is very apparent. And you guys do make a good personal point as well as, you know, the creative side. It's very nice. business oriented almost, you know, like your Kickstarter. It is. I, just I mean, very much, it really is a business that we've started and it's yeah. a little company that we've started. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, what makes me also believe whether or not you get the crowdfunding, you're going to move ahead because you're not going to throw away all this planning right. and effort to, to just say, oh, well, that was fun to record those episodes that one day and then spend 18 months getting ready to crowdfund. Yeah. Never that's do. what we, you know, we were really conscious of as we were going through. It's just like, we've put so much time into it already. Let's just, let's give it its due mm -hmm. and let's try to make it as good as it possibly can be. Give it its moment in the sun mm -hmm. and just see what happens from there. Yeah. And you guys also have uh, a few interns and other things like that. Anyone yeah. you want to give a shout out to that's helped you guys out uh, well, lately? Or? How much time do you have? Because it's <laughs> a long list. Um, it's anyone from you know our friends and family to uh, complete strangers. I actually had someone interact with me on Twitter today just throwing out ideas for the shows. Have you considered this? Have you considered that? That's been kind of the most fun of this entire process is hearing people get so into the show and so into the uh -huh. idea that they think about the show and they know that they can contact us to throw out that idea. Mm -hmm. So 
um, that's been a really interesting experience. Yeah, well, it's almost like, uh, like I said, the idea of writing to write someone's dreams is almost like you can put yourself into that. You're, you, sure. It's very impressionable. Mm-hmm. You can say, oh, this is what I would write a dream about, right. yeah. like immediately. Or even you have your own crazy dreams that you uh-huh. would like to see explored on the show. We, yeah, Like you said, we get tweets and messages all the time from people that are like, hey, I had this dream last night. Mm-hmm that would be something cool on the show. And that's totally something we can explore. It's not like we're, it's not a completely serial narrative where we have a designed start point and end point. We have a lot of room to play around with some, some cool ideas. No, that's awesome. So um, what was the uh, beginning process of this? Like, like you had an idea to make a show called dream writers and then you just start getting people involved. Yeah, Well, going back to what you were saying, it actually kind of was birthed out of an idea from a dream I had where I just woke up and it felt like it didn't come from myself. And so I just started thinking like, what if it didn't come from, myself that's that's an interesting idea and just being a content creator for the last few years um you know doing shorts and things like that i started really thinking about it in terms of what i could do with it and and i started thinking about maybe doing a short film or maybe um just doing a series of sketches based off of this idea but the more i dove into this idea and and the story that was kind of developing i thought this could make a good web series, possibly a good TV show. That wasn't the goal at the time. Um, but it was really just birthed out of, you know, that idea of just what if other people wrote your dreams? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not claiming that I'm anything special or anything like that. I'm just like being in freelance and having, um, a little bit of work under, under my belt. Um, I started contacting people that I knew in the Atlanta area and, said i kind of have this idea i'm bouncing it around a little bit i got in contact with shay pretty early on dalton lily who's our executive producer plays sam and ben owen who's mm-hmm. our head writer and i know both of them Quinn. they're great guys yes yeah. they're amazing and and we've really kind of developed a family over the last yes. year and a half working together mm-hmm. um i got in, in touch with them and we just kind of took it from there and out of it there's you know, came a television show and it's gotten bigger and bigger in that, you know, year of development where it started as a web series and we filmed a little pilot and we didn't release the whole thing because we sat and talked about it and sent it off to some people got feedback that said, Hey, this is great. Keep exploring it. Mm Kind of came to the decision. Maybe this should be a TV show instead of web series. And it seemed like a good idea at the time, but uh, (laughs) yeah, it's been definitely a crazy experience. (laughs) Well, you know, there's, it's, it's always uh, challenging doing something you've never done before. And, uh, uh, launching and selling a concept like that to television networks is is a big undertaking and not as simple as uploading to YouTube. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. And we felt like, I felt like as the leader of kind of this, you know, team of, I guess we had about, we have about uh, like nine or 10 people that are involved um, kind of on a full-time basis, but I didn't want to burn them out. And I thought that if we were to do this five times when we did the the web pilot, which we shot over the course of three days, we did three different locations. We had, I know I was there for one of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. it was it was really breakneck. We were shooting multicam. We shot on three cameras. You uh-huh. know, full cat. You know, full cast and crew. And I thought if we did this five times, it would be fun and it would be you know a good experience and maybe a good like. exercise in filmmaking. Yeah, right. But I didn't think that that was going to lead to anything long term because I felt like it was going to burn everyone out. They thought that I, my thought process was that, you know, people would get burnt out and they would want to move on from it after doing it for a year or so. So I said, let's just scrap 
the web series idea for now. Let's table mm-hmm. it because in the long run, really, it's our friends and family that are they're the only ones that knew about it at the time. Mm-hmm. So he said, let's redevelop it for television and then we'll launch as a television show. So that's kind of where that transition came from. Yeah. And I, I can actually understand that because uh, when I first heard about the premise of your show, I, I was almost intimidated uh, by the actual story at first. And I'm like, that that would work better as a television that the, show. That was the point. In, uh, in general. <laughs> but uh, something else that I was actually thinking about while actually watching one of your skits I thought was interesting. Did you actually decide to include almost like a, a pseudo sci-fi dynamic to the show? A little bit. I You know, I think that that's kind of just where we gravitate naturally because we're all kind of – I guess I don't want to speak for Dalton and Ben, but we're both definitely more on the sci-fi for sure. side of things. And we just like poking fun at pop culture. And we feel like that's a great medium to, um, to, you know, it's just, it's very popular. Um, and just naturally talking about dreams is kind of a sci-fi. Element yeah. If you're like already, floating you know? or walking across like yeah, water right. or going through space, that's kind of sci-fi. Yeah. And you know, you know the subject matter, you kind of have to explain mm-hmm. in terms of sci-fi because it's not a natural job. It's, it's something that doesn't actually exist. So you kind of mm-hmm. have to explore it from that angle. And a lot of it too comes from us trying to ground it more in reality, coming up with technologies and things of, yeah, they write dreams, but how does that work? How, like, it's not like we're just mentally transmitting. There's, there needs See, to be a machine that makes that happen. You, yeah. were, you were mentioning that, that. Yeah, that was the thing that was confusing me about earlier. But uh, really, it's one of those things where all that stuff is kind of in the background. And you sort of just have to accept it. And that way, you'll be able to enjoy the show a lot mm-hmm. more. Yeah, we were really uh, conscious of that during development, For too. Sure. Because we thought we have to be able to explain it. But we don't want to be that show that just uses the entire first season or really, for the most part... The entirety of your show just as an exposition piece because then it gets boring you know your show gets really boring if you have the you know not to be offensive but if you have the ellen page type character from inception the entire time this really just serves as a vehicle to explain your premise to the audience we thought if we come in right in the middle of this thing while mm-hmm. it's all already established and going on we can help guide our audience when we want to explain stuff to them, mm-hmm. but we don't have to explain everything to them off the top. People, as we've you know released this stuff and as we've launched our show, a lot of people have asked, like, well, how does this work? What is? What about this? What about that? And the way that we try to explain it is just we we will get there, but we don't want to we don't want to inundate people right off the top. Yeah, you just want to give them enough information to where they understand the basic setup of it, and then they're just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. We don't want people to – I mean, and if they if they do, that's fine and interesting, but we don't want them to be too concerned with like, oh, well, wait. If this wire goes here, why, how does that wire go there? Right. It's a comedic show. you know. Like mm-hmm. the, the whole point of it is we're exploring dreams and how dreams affect people, and we think that that's a cool enough, fun enough setup to where so much of the science doesn't have to be explained all the time. Absolutely. And I call it the interstellar treatment because sure. interstellar had all this crazy stuff going on in the background. Like, okay, when did we really get spaceships, yeah. you know, that could go to Mars or whatever? Yeah. When did we get all that stuff? When did, uh, we have spacesuits that, you know, all that, all that stuff, they don't get into the technology. When do we get talking robot assistance? Right. You know, it's, but it still looks kind of like current earth. Yeah. Yeah. They just sort of gave you all that stuff and like, this is the world we're going to do this story in and we're just not going to get wrapped up in it. You know? Right. It's just, you just kind of have to go, like you said, just go along for the ride. Uh And originally the idea for the show was actually that, um, our characters lived in an alternate universe and that they used, um, everything was flipped on its side 
And that was why dreams were so crazy because in this alternate universe, you could do anything. Um, as we were going through development, we decided not to go that route because mm -hmm. we felt like it was a little too far out there, but we wanted to include elements from that side of the show mm -hmm. in this new government based side of things. So, um, we introduced a character. His name is Barkley. Mm -hmm. Um, he is, uh, the head scientist of this, you know, this top secret organization project lucid. Um, he kind of just serves as like a doc Brown type character who, um, uses all of his inventions. We're able to uh, push all of that, like sci-fi type stuff just through him and his inventions to say, you know, this character who's modeled after like a Doc Brown or a Q from James Bond, mm -hmm. he introduces all of these cool little things that we can explore in the show. So that's kind of how we met in the middle during this development process. Well, it sounds like you guys are off to a great start. I shouldn't even say start. You guys are off to a great pace. <laughs> a great you guys, middle. <laughs> you guys have a great pace to what thanks, you're doing right thanks, now. Man. And we also really want to just say thank you for coming on our show today. Absolutely. Uh, it was a great uh, interview, and you guys are one of our first sit-down interviews we've done. Thanks, man. So, setting the tone. Setting the tone. <laughs> and uh, we really hope everyone goes and checks out their stuff online. Please check out their Kickstarter page. Check out their website. Watch some of their clips on their YouTube page. They got great stuff. And if you want to donate a little bit to their Kickstarter, feel free. Or you just want to tell them great job and keep up their momentum. You know, they love comments yeah, from absolutely. the internet. And uh, one of the things Corey and I always get is we get, we put out like eight, nine videos a week on YouTube. That's a lot. Yeah. And <laughs> we're impressive. used, we're used to comments, but we, I can see that you guys were blown away by the internet reaching out to you and yeah. sort of like yeah. responding to what you're doing. Yeah. So I know the power of some good comments. So if you Especially guys, when it's commenters who are literally like building your project for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it makes our jobs easier. If yes. you're throwing us ideas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, definitely internet, go check them out. Let them know what you think about absolutely. them. We'll have all the links in the video description and uh, thank you again, guys, for coming thank on our show. Yes. Thanks. Anyway, sure. you guys, this was the Powerful Nerdcast. Make sure and like and comment on the video. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we have an Amazon associate link down below that you can buy anything on. And uh, anything you buy through that link will help out our channel. And we also have a PayPal if you feel you would like to donate to us. Thank you so much. And until next time, Super Kami Guru 9000 out. Damn, I fucked up. <laughs> the Powerful Podcast, bitches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.